0: Back to Legends Live, as presented by the National Basketball Retired Players Association, the home of all our NBA and WNBA legends. I'd like to remind viewers you can submit questions during the show that we will answer before we wrap up. And without any further ado, I'd like to welcome today's guest. We have former UCLA Bruin. We have former Milwaukee Buck and current Emmy Award winning analysts for those same Milwaukee Bucks. We've got Marcus Johnson in the house. Marcus, thank you for joining us, man.
1: Hey, it's my pleasure, man. Good to be with you.
0: Of course. Uh, First, I'll say uh, happy belated birthday like we've we've seen from your conversation this week with the undefeated uh, to the Today Show, the ESPN. We've seen the birthday dunk. I think we I think Bridget and Julio backstage have got that that queued up for anybody who hasn't seen it. See if we can take a look at that. Here we go. Sixty
1: five years old. There we go. I'm still dunking. Still got it. Put your mask back on. She's a real star. My daughter Shiloh. She's a real star. I do that (laughs) just to get her some FaceTime.
0: Yeah. So it was all her idea?
1: No, no. I mean, um, it started. uh, Well, actually, you know, I've been doing it since, God, the early 90s when I was in my early 40s. Mm-hmm. Then about 10 years ago, when I was 55, Blake Griffin had jumped over the Kia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, my son, Josiah, who's heavily involved in media and social media and the whole deal, uh, NBA Twitter, loves him. But but he had the idea of doing a nice video shoot, going to the health club. And and, and instead of jumping over a real car, jump over a couple of Hot Wheels, a little small car. OK. <laughs> okay. And so we pulled that off. It got a lot of great feedback. And then so every year. We come up with a different theme, and and he would shoot it on, on on around my birthday. But 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 for me, the real deal, trill is, is that, you know. And I shared this with uh, Mark Spears from Undefeated that that mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago, I didn't know if I'd be here, um, the way I was living and things I was doing, substance abuse, smoking a pack and a half of cigarettes a day, mm-hmm. drinking uh you know a, a fifth of uh hard alcohol every other day, sometimes a day, and just living in a in a non-productive way, being in a dark space and just not really knowing what was going to happen with my life Uh, in my mid forties, just going through a divorce, you know, that whole midlife crisis type period. Mm -hmm. And, uh, God's grace shined on me. I was able to turn it around, get sober, um, almost 19 years ago. And so the duck for me just represents kind of this, uh, second lifestyle in one lifetime that I'm, that I'm fortunate enough to live. And so, um, that's that's kind of where it is. That's why I do it. It's been a reminder for me to keep myself fit, stay in shape, or work out six days a week. And uh, I take a product uh, called Stemrogen right here. Uh, okay,
0: tell us about that.
1: Yeah, well, it's just a bunch of natural herbs, all the stuff my mom used to try and get me to take for forever. You know, sea buckthorn and aloe vera and and uh, black pepper extract and all these great herbs that. really do a great job of of, of cutting down inflammation for me, uh, cutting down my recovery time when I work out. And so I've been taking that for a few months now, and it it, it really works. And so that and other things just kind of is a reminder with the dunk for me to show people my age, men my age, women my age, that you can still be active. You can still uh, have meaningful participation in your kid's life, your grandkids' life, Mm -hmm. and you you can keep yourself in good shape. There's no reason not to. And so the duck kind of reminds me to, to stay on it because my right. birthday is coming up. So I stay on it 12 months. I started this morning back in the gym doing my thing. And uh, whether or not I can duck at 66, who knows? But at <laughs> least, you know, the byproduct is, is that I'll be in great shape whether I can duck or not in another few months.
0: Definitely. Uh, I do have to ask uh, how, how many outtakes were there? Now, be, be honest with us. Did you have any uh, any how to cut the cut the tape or get any camera trickery in there?
1: No, no, well, what happens is that I don't dunk at all for a year. I just, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> 55. I'm not out there trying to, you know, hey, I ain't handle <laughs> the ball. I ain't you were not going
0: to take it through your legs or nothing? Uh,
1: no, I'll, I'll, I'll play one-on-one with my daughter. She's 11, so I can beat her, you know, so <laughs> play with her sometimes. I'll play with her, but I don't do any dunking at all. So the, the day of the dunk, I really don't know whether or not I can pull it off. And so <laughs> when we shot this, we shot this actually Sunday. My birthday was Monday. We shot it on the 7th, Super Bowl mm-hmm. Sunday. Uh, in the morning and, and before Josiah got to my house uh, in the backyard, you know, I tried to do it a couple of times and I wasn't even close. And I'm just like, I want to call. I wanted to call Joe. be Like, man, I can't do this. I'm 65. My legs, You know, I got a little bit of sciatica flare. My legs ate my legs. You know, it's just not going to work. But the but the more I did it, the looser I got. By the time he got there and we did it the first two or three times, first time the ball slipped out of my hands. I was up there, had all this over the rim, but the ball slipped out of my hands. And
0: you it's jumped too high. Ball.
1: It was my daughter. It's my daughter's ball. It's, it's yeah. my daughter's <laughs> it, it, it's, it's an inch small. It's kind of the, the whole Tom Brady, you know, it, it inflated, inflated. yeah, out. yeah, yeah. But uh, but after that, after I got loose and warm, I was able to do it, pull it off. He's like, you got one more in you? He's, he's good for that, Josiah. You got one more in you? I was like, yeah, man, I guess, I guess you know, you got <laughs> one more in you? And so we wound up doing about seven seven different takes until we okay. – did we get the mask would come down sometimes, or my daughter didn't have the mask on, you know. So, uh, but we finally got it right, and uh, it's, it's done really well on social media. Got like five million, whatever, original impressions or whatever it is. I don't know what the, what the numbers
0: represent, but it's doing pretty well. Yeah, is that uh, you mentioned you you don't know you don't really practice it, so it's nope. no you don't have nothing in mind for like 66, 67. You just kind of wing it year yeah. by year.
1: Straight wing, and we try to do a theme. So like last year. During the dunk contest, Aaron Gordon jumped over Taco Falls, so uh, I dunked over two tacos—real <laughs> okay. tacos. This year, with the All Star game being kind of up in the air as far as LeBron and some of these other guys are talking about, uh, I put, you know, at the very last minute, I was like, "What am I going to wear?" I'm trying to figure out what what kind of t shirt or whatever, and I saw this old All Star jersey I had hanging up in the closet, and I put that bad boy on and like to suffocate it myself, but. Uh, <laughs> But that became like the theme, like LeBron. I got you, you know. I, I know you don't have the energy for it, but uh, you know, I, I got the energy, and because I'm a big LeBron fan, and so that became kind of the theme for this year. So it's all good, man. Just, just, just having fun, having a good time, enjoying life. So
0: now, uh, you mentioned the All Star Games coming up. What do you make of them? It sounds like they're going to do the dunk contest. I'm not sure if they're going to do the full events. Uh, some of the players have pushed back on it. What do you make of it? Like as a current analyst, former player, what do you say about it?
1: Well, you know, I understand from the player's perspective um, just some of the concerns health-wise with COVID and everything going on. But Mm. my bottom line is this. I mean, do you you feel like Adam Silver, the commissioner, has your best interest at heart or not? I Mm. think he has shown through his tenure with the swift handling of the Donald Sterling situation, Mm. uh, the way the bubble situation kind of played out, things that are going on now. I think he has shown that he has got – uh, the player's health as a primary concern. That's still a business. You still want to make your money. And sure. so just from a standpoint, I think the player should give him the benefit of the doubt and support what he's trying to do. And for LeBron and some guys, Giannis, Kawhi, other guys that are, that are making the big money, you know, they can go without. There's other guys yeah. at the other end of the pay scale that uh, this money will benefit in terms of them uh, continuing to get consistent checks, that sort yeah. of thing. So I think... I think the player should play. It's one day uh, they're, they're, they're scaling it back and um, it, it means something to the league. And I think the player should respect that and show up and play and then get on about their business.
0: Hmm. Now, as I mentioned, you're uh, still an analyst for the Bucks, So I'm interested. How do you prepare for, like, how do you get prepared for, for a game? What's that process look like?
1: Well, you know, it's funny because I get to watch basketball like 24 seven. And so my wife <laughs> have have the honey-do list i need you to do this thing. Like, i like i gotta work I'm working. yeah i gotta I got prep but she's like you're watching a basketball game well, that's what i do I watch, that's, that's my work that's my work i watch basketball games but now i mean i watch a lot of basketball i read everything i can get my hands on mm-hmm. uh from uh local writers to, to 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 the athletic and to the undefeated and all these great national writers and i love the game man so it's, it's a part of me it's a big part of me my son's all played on different levels Josiah and Chris my two little boys at UCLA. Mm-hmm. the other boys some division two uh, I got a son now at, at a mid major school down in Huntsville Texas uh Sam Houston State mm-hmm. they're in the top 25 uh, for mid major schools this season uh with the with, 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 with the great great coach uh, uh, Jason Hooten, down there and and so I'm, I'm always kind of plugged into what's going on because of that and uh it's easy it's easy to follow it because yeah. I love it and, um, you know, I'm plugged into different different websites and different synergy and different things that give me uh, great access to, to game footage. And so I can just I can watch it for days on end. And so it, it's not a it's not a challenge whatsoever. So I go in probably over prepared. I played for a coach mm. at uh, UCLA. Uh, uh, John Woodley used to say failing to mm. prepare, preparing to fail. And so i probably overdo it, but I'd rather overdo it than not be as prepared right. as I need for a broadcast.
0: Definitely. So what, the, what do you make of the Bucks so far this year? Like They got off to a little bit of a, a slow start. They lost a tough one last night, but they've been warming up lately. So what, the, what do you think has been the difference between them getting back in that? I think they're the number two seed now.
1: Yeah, well, some things are going on. Um, we've got, had a, a, a tremendous amount of personnel uh, change from last mm. year. I think we've got the top five in terms of the amount of minutes that we lost from last year to this year. Uh, So, so that was going to take some time at the start of the season. I said that after 20 games, that if we could be 12 and eight, I think we would be happy with that. And we were exactly 12 and eight at 20 games Now we played well after that five game win streak. I think the guys are just starting to get acclimated to what uh, coach Budenholz is trying to do. He's changed Mm up our offensive structure. So we don't run this five out that we did the last two years. The team's, were able to exploit in terms of stopping Giannis. Now he's placed a, a, an offensive player down in that dunker area under the basket. Giannis complained about it at first. And here's my point. Giannis complained about that at first because it was clogging things up a little bit for him. Not as yeah, much. Yeah, another room. body
0: in the paint. Yeah. Yeah,
1: but it made him have to think the game, become more cerebral as a basketball player. And I mm-hmm. talked about LeBron, how much I love his game. And the reason I love LeBron is because he manages the game from that forward position as well as anybody in the league. He's actually a point guard right now. Uh, the way the way he the way he plays, uh, Giannis is starting to learn how to manage the game a little bit more effectively. The games that Giannis has scored thirty or more, we have been for the most part unsuccessful. He had forty-seven or whatever last night, and we mm-hmm. moved, albeit by one point. When he has scored in the mid twenties, he's got you know ten assists. He's got his usual fourteen to fifteen with rebounds. His rebounds, yeah. Up. You know we're much better off with him with his usage rate. To me, not being tops in the league, still being top five. But using Chris Middleton as a facilitator, using sure. Drew Holiday as a facilitator. And so it, 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 the product is still coming together. Uh, Phoenix was able to, sh- to exploit some things against us last night. But for the most part, I think we're all happy with the direction that it's going, especially Bobby Portis, uh, uh, Brent Forbes is shooting the ball out of his mind over the last few games. And uh, we're going to get better and better, and, and, and we're not going to peak. Uh, last year, after 24 ga- games, we were 21-3. and 3 this year right. 16 and 8 16 and 9 now after the loss last night so it's all good it's a process and i like where we are right now i feel better about this 16 and 9 right now than i did about the 21 and 3 mm. last year because right. we were doing the same things that were unsuccessful in the playoffs and it, it, right. it kind of borne itself out down in the bubble against miami
0: now you talked about some of the personnel changes about a, i guess about a third of the way into the season uh what do you think of drew holiday
1: Love it. Um, You know, he was a guy that I saw play in high school a lot. So mm-hmm. I'm at UCLA. I was working mm-hmm. for the pack 10 or 12, what it was at that time. Um, uh, but he was just at UCLA for a year. And we all thought it was a, a mistake that, you know, he averaged eight points a game as a freshman. He went, went pros, like, you know, probably should have stayed around another couple of years. Well, yeah. a couple of years from that point, he was like all-star. In, in Philadelphia <laughs> yeah. yep. And so his size his ability to dictate the game uh, defensively at the point of attack uh, and still score 20 a game. And, you know, Mm. I think with him, I really believe he needs to lead us in assists. You got he, Chris Middleton and Giannis all around six assists a game. Mm. I think Drew could even take more of a role in terms of uh, being the primary ball handler, but there's nothing to to, to not like about him in terms of being one of the best, if not the best two way guard in the league right now, offensively and defensively.
0: Mm. You mentioned uh, Giannis taking a few less shots. He's playing a little bit more this year. What do you think he's going to have to do to to sustain that and have that kind of success in the postseason? You mentioned last couple of years went out a little earlier than they would have hoped to. So, what do you think he's going to have to do to for that to carry over?
1: Well, it's just 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 reading and 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 reading and reacting to different situations because he's got to see a wall. Mm-hmm. Regular season, he can get to the rim, dunk, lead the league, and transition points and points in the paint. But come the postseason, the smart and the, and the further along in the postseason you go, the better the defenses are. So, uh, Miami last year, Toronto two years ago. These coaches, they're not gonna let him get to the basket like that with impunity. So he's gonna have to think the game, be more of a facilitator. Understand when he's got three guys looking at him, there's some somebody else is open that he's got to get the basketball to in the shot pocket right away. And he's learning that. He's learning mm-hmm. that on the job right now, which is uh, which is a positive sign. And for me, he's never going to be, I don't think, a great three-point shooter. His free-throw shooting is up and down. And yep. he can continue to develop that that mid-range 15- to 17-foot 7, jumper at the elbows because guys are so afraid of him getting to the basket. They give him a three- or four- or five-foot cushion defensively. Starts knocking down that, that mid-range jump shot. and he's, he's Now he's like around 30-35% on, uh, on, on short mid-range shots. If he gets that up to around 40-45%, it's going to really make him even more of an effective offensive player than what he is today. And he's still one of the best in the league in terms of putting points on the board.
0: Oh, absolutely. Right. So who do you think is probably the biggest threat or I guess biggest threat for the Bucks? like the Philly uh, Philadelphia 76ers? I think they're still the one seed. Well, I mean, the Mets. you know, yeah.
1: I mean, <laughs> you know, you've got KD, Kyrie and James on one on one squad it's just going to be hell to deal with. Now, 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 defensively on the interior, DeAndre Jordan, I mean, losing Jared Allen is, is, is a huge thing. Yeah,
0: that tough, was tough. Yep. You
1: know, in their interior defense. But they got so much firepower at the offensive end. But outside of them, I think uh, Doc Rivers, I think uh, he and uh, Joel Embiid have, have really been a nice combination in Philly uh, between that and, and, and Embiid getting himself into a much better condition. Uh, the additions of uh, of Seth Curry, the additions of Danny Green has really opened things up. Uh, Ben Simmons, you know, still can get the job done though, even though he's not an offensive threat. Um, uh, So, so Philadelphia, I think, outside of Brooklyn, will be the 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 next most dynamic team that you have to worry about. But I don't count Boston. I love Brad Stevens and and, and, you know Jalen and and uh, and what they do back there and Tatum, how he plays, and Kemba Walker, the three of them together. So, uh, but I think it's 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 Brooklyn and then probably Philadelphia would be the two teams I'd be most concerned with if I'm Milwaukee right now.
0: Hmm. What about out west? Is it still Lakers conference to lose? Like, say the Bucks make it through the Eastern Conference, who who do you think would probably give them the the most trouble? then well, like you got Lakers, Clippers, Jazz are playing really well.
1: Well, the Clippers offensively are a juggernaut right now, but to me it's all about defense. The Lakers are the number one defensive team in the league right now. And that kind of goes unspoken. You know, when you talk, you think of LeBron and Anthony Davis and, and how they play, but their defense has been so consistent. So now yeah. come playoff time, that to me is a big, big, big deal. Being able to get the stops when you need the stops. And then you've got and LeBron James, a guy that again can manage a basketball game even 36 years old, better than anybody in the league right now. Uh, and, and so with him, with the ball in his hands the way it is, and then with Anthony Davis being a top three or four guy in the league also, the two of them together still to me are the uh, are the team and the tandem that you've got to go through if you're even thinking about a championship.
0: Hmm. Now, uh, Switching gears a little bit, I mentioned you, you're a two-time Emmy Award winner. Is that correct? Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Where,
0: where do you keep the awards at? Where do you keep the uh... – <laughs>
1: You know, I got I got them right, right on the uh, the, the trophy shelf. I got I got my John Wooden Award, I got my Emmy, I got uh, I think a UCLA Hall of Fame plaque. I got the Comeback Player of the Year award from the last one given in the NBA in 1986, and then I got my other Emmy. Kind of, kind of, you know, yeah, booking yeah, okay. all the other awards. So <laughs> I like to say I'm the only person with a John Wooden Award, with an Emmy, and with an NBA Comeback Player of the Year award. That's that's a that's a that's tri- rare that nobody else can claim so yeah
0: <laughs> now you had a, a legendary role in white men can't jump as raymond how did that come about
1: <clears throat> well um a good buddy of mine we were, we were working on a, a a film for the american film institute uh a guy by the name of andrew wagner mm-hmm. and so we were you know you know we were doing it for free myself and silk Cozart and nigel mcgill all these great uh, great ball player actors uh, in Los Angeles, and so Silk Cozart, a good buddy of mine, who's got an Emmy award-winning or, or an award-winning documentary on on basketball himself, but but he knew that Ron Shelton, the writer and director of White Men Can't Jump, was looking for someone to play the role of Raymond Dickens, and Raymond Dickens is based on this character in the NBA that you heard about when you first got into the league in the seventies, a guy by the name of Reggie Harding out of Detroit, when okay. Str- it was straight from high school to the Pistons, but got suspended. Uh, I'm actually working on a story about I've interviewed some you know, Dave Big and Fred was at the ABA, some 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 great great, great, great ball players. But anyway, so so Reggie Harding was the guy that went into a liquor store in his neighborhood in Detroit with a ski mask on and a gun and told the guy to give him his money. And the guy was like, Reggie, I know that's you, man. Go put that gun down. <laughs> and Reggie allegedly said, This ain't me. Right. And so uh that's, that, that's the mythology, the folklore, whatever, that you hear when you first came in the league. So I was familiar with that story, audition for the role. When I went in for the audition, I read I read uh, with Wesley Snipes. Mm-hmm. And I knew that there was a part of the scene where the character Raymond had to pull out a straight razor. My dad was a barber. So I went okay. to his barber box and I got a real straight razor. And so, yeah, the I, real real props. Real straight razor, and I worked on kind of opening it up with one hand. I saw it in this black film. This guy did it. It was so cool. So when it came time for me to pull the razor, I reached in my pocket, pulled out the razor, snapped it with one hand, chased Wesley Snipes around the audition room. (laughs) And so they loved it. But afterwards, they told me, leave that razor at home. They they got a prop razor I could use. (laughs) I might might hurt somebody. (laughs) Probably myself. But uh, (laughs) but, uh, it turned out to be a great experience and uh, something that... uh, People still kind of know me for, especially the younger generation, more than what I did as a basketball player.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't know that was uh, based off a real player. I was going to ask you how much of that was like script versus improvised because you, you grew up in Crenshaw. Yeah, is that correct? Yeah. yeah, well, you know, you
1: you grew up on the playgrounds of Los Angeles. You, you know, you, you, you're around guys like that all the time. Now, that, wasn't, mm-hmm. that wasn't kind of my persona, but I've been around right. guys like that. But that's based on a real character. Uh, again, Reggie Harding, and I uh, just completed a, a script about his life called This Ain't Me, real tragic life, involved in drugs. He got shot and killed at, at 30 years old on a street corner wow. of Detroit. Couldn't get away from the streets, yeah. those dudes. But talking to Dave Bing, I mean, Reggie was a real character. you carried guns in the locker room, wasn't getting the playing time that he wanted with one team, and uh, it was the Pistons. And they were in a team meeting, and all of a sudden, his pistol dropped to the floor, and he, he looked up at the coach and said, I better get in the game tonight. <laughs> 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 okay. All right. Yeah. I got Yeah, you. I think we can find some minutes for you. Yeah, We can yeah. find some minutes for you. But uh but yeah, so that's 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 what that character was based on. And uh but but it was just a great experience working on that on that film uh, with Ron Shelton, Woody Harrelson, Wesley Snipes and the whole crew.
0: Now you mentioned you're doing some writing. Now I know you did some more in front of the screen, like blue chips, forget Paris, uh, yeah. a couple more. So are you looking to do more? You know, in front of the screen or just stick to writing or just kind of
1: well, play the, about you? The, the, it's, look, man, I, I'm into telling stories of, that, that unique stories that people aren't familiar with. I, I got a writing partner by the name of uh, Todd Wasserman, young guy in his 40s, but he had this great idea. And we wrote this script that's actually with the uh, CAA, creative artists mm-hmm. in Los mm-hmm. Angeles, one of the biggest talent agencies around. But it's called Burning for Justice. It's about integrating the L.A. Fire Department in the, in the mid 50s this group of black men called the Stentorians were the ones that helped integrate the fire department, these firemen, and they had to go through all kinds of racism and abuses and the whole deal. And we were able to sit down with, I think four, maybe five of them were still living over the last 10 years we've been working on it, sit down and interview these these 84, 85, 90 year old Reggie Ballard and, and Arnett Hartsfield, all these historic figures about what they had to go through. So I've got that. Wrote another story about this horseman by the name of Tom Bass, who grew up as a slave uh, right at the end of slavery in, in, the, in, the, in the mid, 1865 or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was seven years old when slavery ended. But he turned out to be the most renowned horse trainer in the world, training horses for uh, everybody from Will Rogers to, to, to presidents and kings and queens and, and whatnot wow. that nobody knows about. So those are the stories that I love to write about and uh, kind of get out there and, and educate uh, our young people about the high achievers that we've had in our race that nobody talks about because there's so many of them, so many of these untold stories that that people don't know about. And that's my kind of mission uh, is to get out there and make sure that people understand what what, what kind of a rich history that we have as African-Americans.
0: Definitely. definitely. I'll jump to a couple of questions from our uh, viewers in a minute, but I, I did want to ask one thing. You mentioned playing for legendary coach John Wooden. What's one thing that he told you that just always stuck with you?
1: Well, the, the, the preparation was probably the main thing, mm-hmm. uh, but Coach Wooden, he always said that he would know how effective of a job he had done as a coach in terms of uh, getting to us as young men 15, 20, 30 years after we graduated college. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, it's a bit of a knucklehead. It took a while for it to sink in, but uh, for me uh, the things that he taught me is pyramid of success Uh, Just about putting it, putting in the work, putting in the effort, putting in the preparation, making sure that that, uh, you know, you're prepared and ready for whatever it is you're trying to accomplish as anybody. Uh, That was that was the key. Our practices were set up so that every minute was accounted for. So from Hmm. three thirty to three thirty five. We're doing one drill from 3:36 to 3:40. Right. everything was accounted for. No
0: standing around.
1: No standing around. But but the thing is is that he felt like the games would become easy because practices were so regimented and so competitive, and but yet fun that the games would be kind of kind of a a sense of relief for us to get out there and just kind of let all this stuff that he taught us kind of manifest itself. So he was yeah. uh he was brilliant in the way he approached the game. He also talked about not 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 treating all his players the same because they're not the same. So okay. some guys he give a little bit more latitude to mm-hmm. uh, some guys, you know, he, he, he'd have a, he'd have a tighter arena. I can remember my sophomore year <clears throat> when I had, uh, contracted hepatitis, I was out for two months. I was weak. I was on a minute restriction. I was frustrated. I worked, worked like crazy after my freshman season and Wayne Embry called me the best forward in America college or pro when I was 19 years old, he saw me play out at UCLA, but I got sick. And so mm-hmm. I couldn't play uh, the whole game had, was in and out of the lineup mm-hmm. And so in one practice, I came down and I dunked on our seven-foot-two center, Ralph Drologer. Coach Wooden didn't say anything. Uh, a couple of, couple of possessions later, this white guy on our team, Gavin Smith, uh, uh, was, was was murdered a couple of years ago. Uh, but anyway, he came down athletic. He dunked on Ralph Drologer. Coach Wooden stopped practice and said, Gavin, you know, you're just a show-off. You're this, you're that, you're this. So years later, ask, I asked Coach Wooden about that. So why did you get on Gavin for dunking when you couldn't dunk? And you couldn't dunk. The dunk was outlawed. Well, uh-huh. Gavin for Duncan and he didn't get on me. And Coach said, look, I knew that you were frustrated and you were just kind of bending some frustration. Gavin was trying to show off and I don't like show offs, you know. And mm-hmm. so it's just, just valuable lessons about how you how you have to kind of assess each and every situation, each and every individual, and uh, kind of approach them accordingly.
0: Yeah. Okay, so what's uh, – just talked about your 65th birthday. What's something that you at 65 would tell yourself at 18, 17, 18 years old? <laughs>
1: uh that, that it's gonna be okay that, that, that you don't have to you don't have to be a nervous wreck and bite your nails and then clap your legs and, and, and just have all this, this this anxiety and energy about what the future's gonna hold and i you know i'm, I'm, I'm a perfectionist man and, and that's one of the things that drove me i'm, a, I'm a, i got this obsessive personality um, you know the, the glass is always half empty if i go to the restaurant and right. order chicken i should order steak if i ordered the steak right. I should order the <laughs> chicken. Right. i'm should i all i'm never you know i've just never never in seen your own, head. My own skin and where i am i want to be somewhere else relax brother it's gonna be okay things are gonna turn out all right trust god treat people right it's gonna be okay
0: mm. see i think we'll uh jump to a couple of viewer questions here we won't keep you too long let's see what we got first one from alvin sites alvin says i just need to know did he ad-lib in white Man can't jump uh
1: yeah ron shelton wrote most of the dialogue now the, the liquor store scene when i went into the mike tyson voice you know yeah this ain't me this ain't me that was all me that was all okay brought to the table and they loved it i didn't know how they would react to that but that was something that uh I kind of brought it to the table but but um yeah i mean a lot of it was ad lib a lot of it was just just you know jumping into the character i've studied acting what people don't know about me i mean i, I you know from high school to middle school i was little in to play little abner i was Conrad mm-hmm. birdie to play bye bye birdie i've been acting uh theatrically since i was 11 12 13 years old and that's kind of a passion for me and so uh, I studied with a great teacher by the name of Rick Edelstein in Los Angeles, who was wow. Barbara Streisand's uh, personal acting coach. And, and, and Vanessa Waves, a whole bunch of really uh, accomplished, accomplished actors have gone mm-hmm. through and worked with this guy. And so, um, you know, again, preparation, just being prepared and, and ready for anything. Because when you're in a scene with Wesley Snipes, you got to be ready for this. <laughs> you got to bring your A game. It <laughs> hit every direction you can imagine. And, uh, and that's what makes it fun.
0: Yeah. Let's see. Next question we've got here is from P. Boogity. P. Boogity says, how did you feel about your son being on Baldwin Hills?
1: Yeah, my son Mariah was a star on Baldwin Hills for like, I don't know, four or five years the show ran. I was excited for him. Um, the one thing that we, we shot a scene in the backyard and and so the, the director of the scene was like, so Mariah's going to tell you that, um, you know, that he doesn't want to go to UCLA. He wants to go to another school mm-hmm. and we uh, Want you to react to that? So Mariah told me in the backyard, "This is reality. You know, scripted reality." i right. Go to UCLA. I'm like, "Hey, man, do your thing. Wherever you want to go, I, I support right. you." The director's like, "Cut, cut, cut. We need yeah, you." That, to that's
0: not you good TV. More, yeah.
1: We need you to be more disappointed. Right. And what, so I was like, "Yeah, but I'm not." Like, "Well, can you just, you know, can you just fake it for us?" I was like, "Yeah, okay." So I gave a little <laughs> disappointment. So, so just understand that the reality, the reality is kind of a misnomer in reality show. Uh, really? A lot of kind of mapped out and planned out, but Mariah had a great time, and and he was actually um, on a, on a, on, a, on a a teen awards show with uh, Usain Bolt, and he got a bigger ovation okay. uh, and and more <laughs> adulation than Usain Bolt, and that's kind okay. of his what his cl- dad they, you know they, they they were more hyped for me. Yeah, they, they love me. <laughs> Bolt. I was like, hey, Baldwin Hills, man, that's the power of TV, brother. <laughs> so, but he's doing great, Mariah. And speaking of which, just just to let you guys know out there, Mariah hmm. picked up painting. Uh, maybe three or four years ago. And now this dude is so accomplished as an artist, man. It's just unbelievable wow. that he's got this talent. He did a, you know, a, a, a go to his Instagram and he's got some of his artwork posted on Instagram. Mariah Johnson, look him up on Instagram. He's got, Definitely. Some, man, he's got the artwork on there that'll just blow you away, especially in the context of him just picking it up like three years ago. Wow.
0: Yeah, that that is something. People, you know, study years, decades. Uh, yeah. And he's a part for that.
1: He's the only guy that cut my hair for years, <laughs> like the last four or five years. He gave it up about a year ago. Somebody he was just tired of, of just being in, in such demand around Los Angeles. He needed, yeah. He's actually, he's an occupational therapist. He graduated with a master's degree from Tuskegee. Okay. Working in occupational therapy, works with a lot of older people, works with my mom. And, and mm-hmm. she's 94, keeping her muscles tight and in shape and all that. But that's his main gig. And uh, the the artistic stuff, being an actor, he started in plays in L.A., uh, the, the acting gigs and all that but uh, he's just a really really well-rounded renaissance man that loves to travel all over europe and all over the place and i uh, just i mean he's just, just a, a sweetheart of a of a, of a person and i'm just so proud of him in terms of everything he's accomplished as i am mm-hmm. with all my sons but mm-hmm. we're just talking about mariah now so let me toot his horn a little bit
0: right <laughs> Let's see next question we have is from neil 04 he said what was your view on the team's boycott uh, boycott last August. Uh, speaking of the Milwaukee Bucks boycott.
1: No, well, I was, I was, uh, I was for, it. Uh, you know, did, we didn't find out until five minutes before tip off. Our producer, mm. uh, Dan Keener got in our ear and said, the Bucks aren't, Bucks aren't on the floor yet. It's, you know, the, 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 uh, the magic are out there. It's five minutes before tip off and they're still in the locker room, I guess, debating whether or not they're going to play. And I told my broadcast partner Jim Pastry, they're not playing. I mean, they're going to, they're going to mm. boycott. So this thing happened uh, in Kenosha, uh, you know, an hour away from Milwaukee. And my thing was, again, you know, if not now, then when, if not you, then who, it's the Milwaukee Bucks. It's in your backyard. And if you feel strongly enough about uh, the, the, the shooting of Jeff Blake, uh, the way it uh, happened at yeah. the time, and you want to take a stand, then this is the time to do it. And so I was proud that they, they took that stance and uh, and uh, other leagues and other teams, I mean, whenever you get hockey you shutting down, okay. and you get the you know WNBA and all these other entities shutting down. Um, you know it's, uh, it's 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 a powerful
0: statement. Mm, definitely. Let's see, I think we have one or two more questions. Colin says, Marcus, who's your favorite fellow on-air Bucks personality, and why is it Zora Stevenson? <laughs> um,
1: look, you know, I love working with Zora with Jim Paskey. I had a chance to work with Gus Johnson my first couple of years in Milwaukee. I've been blessed, man, to work with some of the best in the business. And uh, we've got a great organization from ownership on down, team president Peter Fagan. I mean, it's just, for me, it's an opportunity. When I played here in Milwaukee, trill back in the 70s and 80s, I wasn't thinking about giving back to the community. That was for right. Junior Bridgman and some of these other do-gooders. I'm from LA. I want to, you know, I'm into, we had, our, we, had our, we had our first nightclub here at Park Avenue. It was kind of like the Milwaukee version of a Studio 54 with the stuff. Okay. <laughs> That's where I was hanging out. Right. But now I get a chance to come back at this stage of my life, man, and, and give back and do a lot of the stuff that I didn't do and, and, and probably should have done when I was younger, but just wasn't in that mindset. Right. Now I'm in that mindset. And so it's it's for for me, it's it's more than just being a basketball analyst. It's been a big part of this community. Uh, I support so many organizations, the Running Rebels Youth Organization, all all kinds of different uh, mentoring groups here in Milwaukee. And uh, that's the the part that I get most excited about is being able to give back and and to reach out to some of these young men in this community, uh, underserved areas, African-American men and others, and uh, and make a positive impact uh, along those lines.
0: Well, your work is definitely appreciated. We got uh, one last question. Something we ask all our legends here. We're getting together our second part of our legends playlist. So, what's something that you're you're listening to now? If you're you said you working out five six times a week on the way to the gym, or what are you listening to while you're working out? It could be old, new. What the uh, what's in your headphones?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, my favorite song right now is uh, Rod Wave "Heart on Ice." Okay. <laughs> when Oh, yeah. homeboy, uh, boy's in the cell. Before I slapped it, did I told him I don't know how you get down? <laughs> so you know, I mean, th- 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 he's on his mama, nana, how, not nana couch, looking at the ceiling. <laughs> you know, that that song just really that resonates speaks
0: to you, yeah.
1: <laughs> and that's kind of like I can just you know like I can listen to that over. It's all it's on a loop on my on my, okay. on, my uh, on my player that I listen to when I work out. Rod right Wave man is probably. Probably my joint right now. So then there's another rap song that I just heard that had mentioned Giannis's name in it. And I gotta, I gotta, you know, a young thug or something. I gotta, I gotta get into that a little bit more. Okay. Kind of, <laughs> kind of what's that? What that's all about? But uh, Rod Wave would be the guy. Uh, but I'm an old school guy. You know, I, I could mm-hmm. go YouTube and listen to uh, Earth, Wind and Fire, and Al Green, Love and Happiness, and mm-hmm. and Shaka Khan, and you know, Tina Marie. I mean, you know, that's 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 the legends. Um, but but. In terms of what's new kind of happening out there, Rod Wave is a guy that <laughs> kind of blows me away
0: right now. Okay, yeah. we can. I can definitely say you're the first legend uh, to put Rod Wave on your playlist. Definitely the first. My
1: fault is my fault. I will my heart on my sleeve. Oh,
0: we yeah. have to get you all, uh, on a remix of that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Come on, Rod. Hook a brother <laughs> up, man. Come
0: on. <laughs> all right. We won't take too much more of your time. Marcus Johnson, thank you so much for joining us, man. I
1: appreciate it, man. Thank you. Anytime. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. Thank you, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. That'll do it for this week's Legends Live. As you know, we have new episodes live every Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central on the NBA alumni's Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. I'd like to remind viewers you can watch replays of any episode at legends of com slash legends live. You can catch the audio replay to our conversations by searching for Legends Live wherever you get your podcasts. I'd like to thank Marcus Johnson for joining us. Give a big thanks to Bridget and Julio behind the scenes and we'll see you next Thursday.